the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mir is hurt now. Oh! Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock him, suck him, robots here. Oh my goodness. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot, bang! Oh, done! I can do it too much. I can do it too much. I can do it with integrity. I can do it with disgrace. But either way, either way, I wanna kill you. I wanna blow you away. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Oh, he's back. The goat is back. Oh, I can't call Johnny Bones the greatest of all time. <laughs> Sunday, January 15th, the year is 2023, episode 380 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Cody, stop me now if we don't have clearance for Poe's angry Johnny. Ken Flo remembers well when he walked out to that. John Jones is back, folks. Johnny Bones Jones is back. Good morning, Kenny. How you doing, man? It's such a great walkout song. Uh, so good, so appropriate. Uh, man, I, I love it. I love it. I, I, you know, not only myself, the whole mixed martial arts world has been waiting as to when John Jones uh, is going to fight again. Obviously, he's been preparing for the heavyweight division for a long time, which I think has served him well. Obviously, not being away or, or being away. Uh, from the octagon for so long, um, it, it's it may hurt him in, in a certain extent, but getting up to that heavyweight uh, division, doing it properly, putting on the muscle, doing it, adjusting uh, your body for that for years uh, takes time. And I think he's ready, and I can't wait to see John Jones unleash hell and the heavyweight division. All right, a lot to get into today in headlines. Of course, we will recap UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Imavov. Some other MMA headlines as well. Don't forget now, full episodes of the Anakin Florian podcast can be accessed on the DraftKings YouTube channel. You can also access clips on our Anakin Florian podcast channel as well as Bilal Muhammad and Jason Annex. Remember the show. Full details on this partnership coming up later in our second episode this week. Above all else, I think the most important part of this partnership, we're going to do two shows a week now instead of one. And that has not been the reality for this show over the last eight years. We do have to hold the rest of the details until Thursday, though. Thank you for your patience as far as all of that is concerned. I am reading right from Brett Okamoto's article at ESPN.com. And if you don't know, in print journalism, it is lead spelled L-E-D-E. And this is a brilliant lead, right? Simple. John Jones, arguably the greatest fighter of all time, will fight Cyril Gaon for the heavyweight championship at UFC 285 on March 4th. That according to UFC president Dana White. He is arguably the greatest fighter of all time, wherever you stand on that. And he is back for the first time in a long time. That means Francis Ngannou has been released. He is no longer the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship. And Dana said that the UFC and Francis negotiated a new contract for the better part of two years, and the deal would have made him the highest paid heavyweight in the history of the company. Of course, remains to be seen how long it would take him to sort of realize that distinction. Um, right. But Dana White said the highest paid heavyweight in UFC history remains Brock Lesnar, who retired back in 2017. Here's the quote from Dana Ken Flo. I've told you guys this before. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. I think Francis is in a place right now where he doesn't want to take a lot of risk. He feels like he's in a good position where he could fight lesser opponents and make more money. We're going to let him do that, release him from his contract, and give up our right 
to match. Francis did not immediately respond to requests from ESPN for comments. Wow. Uh, it's very surprising, you know, uh, or, or maybe not based on the back and forth that's been going on between Ngano, Dana and the UFC. Uh, I'm very interested to see where exactly he's going to go. Uh, I'm sure he will have a lot of suitors. Uh, I know he's had a lot of people um, who have been interested in him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think this goes a little bit further than money or him wanting to face lesser challenge. You know, and this is the problem is when you go back and forth, whether it's you're talking about Major League Baseball or the NFL and you get an owner or a coach or something that says something bad about you or something that something that happens back doors that, you know, behind doors that um, doesn't go well. Um, you know, you, you'll, you'll get certain fighters, certain professional athletes that are going to make uh, decisions that go beyond just the the monetary reward. So uh, curious to see where he ends up. Man. So I'm not an executive, right? Israel Adesanya got a long-term deal. I don't really know how Francis Ngannou, in terms of his promotional value, relates to Israel Adesanya. In terms of the internal metrics, in terms of how he does on pay-per-view, I know Francis Ngannou to be a walking major motion picture, right? He's the baddest man on the planet, to be sure. His story yep. is unbelievable. I thought he was going to be a superstar in a stratosphere that maybe few fighters had ever realized, maybe just a tier below Conor McGregor. And I think largely when you're that guy, you feel like you deserve at least $5 million to show. Now, I don't know what he's looking for or what exactly he's making or how it all works in terms of the exact numbers on the pay-per-view revenue, but certainly it's disappointing, right? I mean, as somebody who called a lot of his signature knockouts and wins and uh, just when you thought, I know he's 35 years of age. No, Ngannou maybe is older than that. John Jones is 35. Um, but, you know, you still felt like you might have three or four title defenses, big fights for Francis Ngannou. So as much as we're going to sit here and talk about John Jones and Cito Gan, um, and as much as he might end up with you guys in the PFL, I mean, this is uh, isn't this disappointing that, you know, the combat sports leader and the consensus best heavyweight in the world are, are parting ways or no? All right. In Ganu 36, by the way, September 5th, 1986. Ken, Kenny, what do you have for me on all that? Yeah, so I'll say this. I think that uh, certainly the, the UFC fans want to see him in there, right? Um, I think that uh, th there are some interesting challenges for him, uh, I think especially in the PFL. But yeah, I think a lot of people, when you get a champion in the UFC, it's rare that we ever see a champion just kind of give up the belt and go somewhere else. This, this is not a, a common thing. And uh, I think the fact that he, uh, you know, I, who, how, how accurate it is and, and whether this was actually going to happen, I don't know. But I think the boxing fight or that was proposed between him and Tyson Fury is playing a part as well uh, because it, it could seemingly give him the opportunity to both – do boxing and do mixed martial arts. And the UFC um, just isn't about that. They're, they're not going to promote uh, or co-promote with many people. Conor McGregor was the exception. And I know they had to jump through hoops and uh, a bunch of stuff to get that fight with Floyd Mayweather going. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that played a part of it. Um, I think the back and forth between Dana, the UFC and, and Francis and his management had something to do with it. And perhaps he feels like he can best, you know, leverage uh, something outside of the UFC. So I, I wish him the best. Uh, it would be awesome to see him in the PFL. It would be, uh, you know, uh, unbelievable. We'll, we'll see where, where he ends up. He still is super talented, but he is coming off 
uh, a pretty bad ACL surgery. You know, knee, knee, yeah. knee reconstruction can take a long time. I hope he's fully healed from that. So Dana's saying Ngannou feels like he's in a good position where he could fight lesser opponents and make more money. So Tyson Fury is not that, right? Tyson is the consensus hardest fight for Francis in either boxing or MMA, and it stands to reason it is the biggest payday by a significant margin, right? If he does get that boxing payday against Tyson Fury, and this is pure conjecture and maybe informed speculation, but you know it might take him two, three UFC fights to realize that payday, right? So if he right. gets that singular fight, you can certainly defend the decision. But as a mixed martial arts fan, this is wildly disappointing that Francis Ngannou is stepping away. And John Jones, as Dana says, ready, willing, and able to fight any heavyweight, including Francis Ngannou. The notion that John Jones or Daniel Cormier, for that matter, right, wouldn't fight Francis Ngannou or would be intimidated by that setting. You just don't know those guys as competitors. So John Jones, I think, is disappointed in some part. Maybe not Ken Flo. Cito Gan's the fucking man. But would yeah. you argue that John Jones not getting a chance to fight Francis Ngannou or to fight the consensus greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, Stipe Miocic? Maybe some disappointment there in terms of the aesthetics of the matchup. But uh, would you agree that John Jones was willing to fight any goddamn man in the world at uh, 265 pounds? There's no question about it. He, these are the fights that he gets up for and where he truly can shine. What was particularly interesting about the fight against Francis Ngannou is you have this guy who is an absolute monster who is 100% capable of knocking out John Jones um, and has the athleticism to match someone like John Jones. Cyril Gunn, absolutely phenomenal fighter, highly technical, has been active, has shown his toughness and his technique. I love that fight, but... To me, he's he's very similar to John Jones and how they move and the different uh, weapons that they have and the varied weapon weapons and footwork that they have. So, to me, um, I, I think that's a, um, an easier fight, not an easy fight, but a far easier fight stylistically for him than a Francis Ngannou. UFC fans should be very thankful for Cyril Gaon and Curtis Blades, and certainly it's disappointing that Tom Aspinall is on the men, right? But to have elite heavyweights that are ready, willing, and able to headline and to fight every three months and fight for interim championships, right? I mean, Curtis Blades doesn't seem like a draw, a line in the sand type of guy. Cyril Gaon is always ready. I mean, these guys, right, this seemingly just got finalized. All indications are, if you've been on social media, that Cyril Gaon and John Jones have been training for this date. But, you know, it really is nice if you're a promotion to have guys like Seattle gone. Um, as far as the betting line is concerned, Ken Flo, and perhaps Cody can chase these results on social media. We did throw a poll out there. Sort of a soft poll. I just threw the betting line out there. I didn't encourage people to vote. But did you see that, Kenny? Do you know what the betting I, line is on DraftKings Sportsbook right now? I did not. I'm really curious. Is John Jones a slight favorite there? It's close. Seattle gone actually is minus 135. And John Jones is plus 115. Now... 72% of votes have been on John Jones to win the fight. So I am going to hop out of the DraftKings Sportsbook application. Uh, not now, but right now. And uh, we're going to see what the uh, the price is right now and see if that has changed a lot uh, since we were uh, we were on here earlier this morning. It has moved a little bit. So Seattle gone minus 120 and John Jones is now even money. So, uh, you know, perhaps our poll has moved that number a little bit. I'm not so sure. Interesting. Code, wow. by the way, AF Pod. Yes, uh, if you would like to get involved as a new customer on DraftKings Sportsbook coming up this weekend. But a lot to digest, man, right? And later in the week, we will get into UFC 286 because it looks like that is starting to come together as well. 
But John Jones has reportedly signed a new eight-fight contract. And, um, you know, John Jones and Conor McGregor, and we've talked about this, but it's like they are two unique cases in mixed martial arts, right? One of them is the consensus best fighter we've ever seen. The other one is the biggest superstar in mixed martial arts history. And both of them really want to fight. You know, I think this could be a big year. I mean, last year was big for all you Islam Akashev and Armand Sarukyan fans. But in terms of, you know, we got some real potential star power coming back here. Second quarter, first quarter, 2023. Well, John, how long has it been since John Jones has fought? Is it five years, six years? You know, I failed to look that up. So off the so, top uh, of my uh, head, yeah. Yeah. I want to say like 2019. Right. OK. All right. So, right. The okay, Dominic right. Reyes so fight. Up. Was that his last fight? Yeah, was I that think- his last fight? I mean, my memory not great right now. This is compelling Wait, so- on the audio side. Yeah, UFC 247, Johnny Bones Jones, Dominic 20, Reyes, 20. February 2020. Just okay, a few yeah. weeks before uh, COVID-19 here in the U.S. Look at me, slightly off there. I'm like five, six years, seven. Yeah, yeah so it's been, it's been a, th- a few years. Okay, so I'm curious to see how many of the new fans that, that the UFC has, has gained over the last few years are going to be introduced to John Jones for, for the first time and, and perhaps the real John Jones, right? Because I don't know if that was the most motivated, um, and, you know, guy who was super motivated and training hard at 205 pounds. I don't think he felt scared in those 205 uh, pound, uh, fights. I think he knew that he could be, give average, uh, training camps, give average efforts on fight night and still win the fight. I think being in the heavyweight division, being away, trying to prove a point, having a chip on his shoulder, I think we're going to see uh, the John Jones of old. And I think we're going to see a lot of tricks that uh, we ha- we haven't seen in a long time. Very, very exciting. I look forward to that. It is March 4th, UFC 285. Looks like John Jones is hopeful that Henry Cejudo might even be in his corner. So doesn't look as though Sterling and Cejudo are going to be uh, locked up on March 4th. But tremendous stuff. Johnny Bones Jones back in your life and uh big opportunity for him. And of course, for Cyril Ghosn, as they reportedly will fight for the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship. All right, so, you know, my bosses, my great producer, Zach Candido, Lappy LaPlante, Mike Ricci, sometimes listen to this show, of course, all spearheaded by the great Craig Borsari. Perhaps I hope they're not listening right now as I read this text from our producer, Cody Merrow, over the weekend, and me and my twin bro. He writes, I'm officially at the, quote, I'm over the apex point of my fandom. Same sentiment for me. We have so many positive things to say about Sean Strickland and Dan Ige and Roman Kopalov and the entire card. But yes, as a fan sitting home, I am over watching fights that are emanating from the UFC apex so much so that I did watch on mute from my cell phone because you know why not and uh and I was watching the football game with the audio you know what I mean so I don't know man it's a different take man like the fans are the lifeblood of the sport and I don't think any UFC executive would be offended to hear that type of language I agree with that sentiment. I, I think for business reasons, obviously, uh, it's been quite advantageous, quite beneficial to the UFC to have their events there. I mean, they're saving a ton, millions of dollars having it there. But there's no question. There is no debate, John. The energy that you get when you're in a crowd that is filled up in a stadium with that kind of noise and energy is just different. Um, I, it must be different for you calling the fight. It's different, certainly different for the fighters who are involved in these fights. Um, and of course, for the fans, they want to be a part of the action as well. So um, curious to see how the schedule changes for them uh, here in 23. 
I agree, and it seems like there are a handful of Apex shows during the first quarter, but it does effectively change the sport. Maybe not as much as like open scoring would, but there are athletes that love competing here in this little regional-sized octagon, and there are other fights that other fighters, excuse me, that enjoy all the pageantry that comes with sort of a number card at a more championship setting. Just right. kind of felt like it had to be set. But as far as the action was concerned, I thought it was a pretty good card overall. And what else can you say about Sean Strickland and those who suggest that the best way to prepare for fights in a cage is to spar? Because when you essentially come off the couch, and I know he's a 24-7, 365 guy who spars a lot, right? But I don't know, man. Someone like me who can barely get through a 35-minute high-intensity strength and conditioning workout to fight another man over 25 fairly high-paced minutes at times when you haven't had the requisite training camp, um, got a lot of praise for Sean Strickland here on a Sunday morning. What do you think about all that? I would say this. For someone who is sparring as much as Sean Strickland, and when you combine that with the experience that he has inside the octagon, Sean Strickland's the guy who can do that and even do that in a five-round main event. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot that can just because they're not sparring all the time. Um I think the, the only caveat with that is that it's hard to make uh, big jumps, I think, in my opinion. You need to be doing a lot of scenario work and isolate certain skills to make those improvements. I think that's why we see Sean Strickland largely the same fight over fight. I, I don't see a whole lot of differences anyways, but uh, getting someone who's going to be mentally mentally strong, physically strong, uh, and ready to go at, at a moment's notice uh, you know, the, the training that Sean Strickland does, he's well suited for, for a fight like uh, last night, which was extremely impressive. See, that's why Kenny Florian gets 51% of Anakin Florian LLC. And that's why I'm at 49% because you're absolutely right. Because you're able to be critical. And ultimately, that's what you're paid to be as an analyst is be critical. But you're right. In terms of the skill development, incredible pro career, pro record. But yes, I mean, most people sort of felt like we were sitting down conditioning ourselves for a 25 minute fight. And that's what played out a lot of my buddies like that over four and a half rounds what do you have for us in totality on the fight it was strickland by unanimous decision over nasordini mavov 49 46 times 2 48 47 from the dissenting judge imavov had his moments numbers were pretty close but um you know i felt like it was a sean strickland fight pretty clearly yeah listen i, I don't think uh sean strickland is the most most uh orthodox fighter out there he does uh some things which are a little bit odd uh there's times where he looks a little bit like he's off off his rhythm he throws arm punches uh for the for the most part but it doesn't matter because he's effective and he knows how to win rounds and his volume and his pressure and his pacing and he knows what he needs to do to get himself back into the fight if he needs to so th this experience and this amount of sparring is really paying off. Uh, I would like to see certain improvements technically, uh, but this kid just on toughness, pace, and pressure alone uh, can beat a lot of guys in that division. So um, I, I thought it was extremely impressive, especially given the fact that Imavov is a problem. Technically, uh, he, he's very impressive. He throws some very hard shots. I thought he landed some good shots, but Strickland uh, has a tremendous chin. He's very tough, very durable. Uh, and I just thought that his pacing, 
um, and his volume was what won him the fight last night. So going into what was to be a main event against Kelvin Gastelum, uh, who, if you don't know, had to pull out of the main event during fight week, uh, nasty jaw injury and what looked to be some sort of uh, infection on his face as well. I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly which was worse as far as him pulling out of the fight. Um but Sean Strickland gets the win and largely gets the bulk of the praise. But it is Nasordini Mavov, right, who essentially puts his middleweight ranking on the line in a light heavyweight fight. And it seems to me like takes two to tango in these short notice equations. I'm not sure Mavov got enough credit for willingly stepping up and sort of, you know, as the guy who was all the rage coming in, as the guy who the card was built around, like putting a lot of his momentum on the line in what was a short notice setting for him, too, you know? Absolutely. And he came in, what, 10 pounds lighter than Strickland on weigh-in day two. It was supposed to be a 185-pound fight. Um, and obviously, that's what he was preparing for. So he had to deal with the much larger opponent. I, I think that Imovov is going to learn a lot from this fight against Strickland. I, I think there's little adjustments he could have made that could have won him the fight. I think there's times where he checks out and starts to cruise in fights mm. where he, he's, it seems like he's just not present there. Um, and, and, and checking out at the highest levels of the sport, you just can't do it. You can't do it against anyone, let alone someone like Sean Strickland. So I didn't see enough volume from him. There was times where he can kind of disengage and reset. And I think he felt like he just needed to kind of go right back at Strickland and fight his kind of fight. And that's not the, that's not what you want to do against someone like Strickland. You have to find ways to drag people into your fight and not adjust to them. I just felt like Imovov, uh, was, trying to adjust himself to the style of Strickland. And that can be a difficult fight to win when you do that. All right, good stuff there. We'll see what happens with Sean Strickland moving forward. Seemingly is going to stay at 185 pounds. And I would say if he can... Eating better has gotten a whole lot easier with Factors Fantastic ready-to-eat meals. These meals really are delicious. My daughters actually were fighting me for them just last week. These meals are chef-crafted, never frozen, and ready to go in just two minutes. The convenience and the taste value is absolutely undeniable. And depending on your preferences, you can choose from over 35 different options per week. That includes Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto as well. I happen to have gone with the Keto option. But whatever it is, your lifestyle or diet, if you are looking for fast premium options with no cooking required, Factor is the perfect solution for you. And we've done the math for you. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And how about this robust offer from Factor? Head to factormeals.com slash flow50 and use code flow50 to get 50% off. That's code flow50, F-L-O-50 at factormeals.com slash flow50 to get 50% off.
Sorry, did my mic just unplug again? I don't know what's going on here. Audio drop again. It seems like my mic is doing its own thing today. But I was talking about Dan Ige. And, you know, sometimes parenthood can go both ways for UFC fighters. Obviously, you were not a parent when you were fighting. But, you know, I believe this is Dan Ige's first win since becoming a father. And, man, he was waiting to exhale. You saw it in the post-fight interview after the fight. Huge result for Dan Ige. And nothing like being able to have a knockout like that when, you're, when your fucking nickname is 50K, to be able to have a knockout like that. And it's all about location, right? I mean, this was not like power slap shit where he's like in a full squat, bending down full throttle. Uh, just perfect technique execution and uh, big bonus for Dan Ige over the weekend. Yeah, Dan Ige has got that FU kind of power. Um, yeah. And he doesn't need to wind up very, very big. He stayed patient throughout that fight. I thought he fought a perfect fight for the most part. He was backing up uh, Damon uh, early in that fight, backing him up, keeping him off balance. Uh, mixing things up, actually went for a takedown there at the end of round one and was landing solid shots. And you could see Damon respected that power very early. He seemed hesitant because of it. And Dan Ige finished him off with that walk-off KO, man. That was, that was sick. All right, so Ige certainly positioning himself for another big fight at 145 pounds. Roman Kopilov, I don't know if you saw that, really resonating with a lot of people. I mean, my twin brother and Cody going fucking nuts about Roman Kopilov. I just like pronouncing his name if I'm being candid. No, really good fighter. And obviously the bodily investment and Punahele Soriano, so much potential. And I'm not the guy you go to as far as the cardiovascular base and all of that stuff necessarily, but pretty early in this fight, Kenny, it sort of became for Puna like labored just one, two, like labored one, two. Um, what were your thoughts on Roman Kopilov and Puna? Yeah, Kopilov, man. I, I might I might have to perm my hair after that, that huh. performance. I, I, I was really impressed, man. I, I've been sleeping on him a little bit. I haven't been too impressed, but I thought it really came together for him very well. I thought his fainting uh, and how he was setting up his strikes, he seemed more sophisticated. He seemed more patient. He seemed more confident in this fight against Soriano, who is a very dangerous out for anybody. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Soriano was just kind of looking for big shots and I think he and he does have the power to take you out with one or two shots but you cannot rely on that to me it seemed like he was forcing the knockout um it, it really wasn't he wasn't patient enough to allow the the, the knockout to kind of uh, organically uh, happen he was forcing it anytime you're forcing it out there especially at the elite levels of the sport, it rarely happens for you. So for Soriano, he's going to have to be more sophisticated, get some more weapons uh, in his tool belt, because to me, it seemed like he was trying one or two things. It wasn't working, and he was just kind of losing confidence and just hoping for that one shot. Yeah. And Kopilov, I thought, was way more defensively sound than I've seen him and just had more tools, more weapons, and, and took him out. And, and again, to your point about that first round, Soriano just not pacing himself well, just looking for those big shots, getting tired early on. And if you're showing that at this level, and Kopilov isn't a top five, top 10, uh, top 15 guy, I don't think at this stage, it doesn't bode well for Soriano. He's got some work to do, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's all fair as far as Punahele Soriano, and we'll see what happens with Roman Kopilov. And, uh, you know, I thought Dominic Cruz had a particularly good night on the sticks, but it felt like all night long he kept saying, you know, you guys got to work the body. Like, I just 
feel like all night long he was suggesting to headhunters that they needed to mix in some shots to the body. Roman Kopilov did that very well, and he gets what you could argue is the biggest win uh, of his career. All right, Ray Longo made it coming up in 60 seconds. First, though, UFC 283 taking the action to the next level this weekend to begin 2023. I can't wait to get to Brazil, leaving here in about 48 hours because, of course, this Saturday, not one but two titles on the line, and one of them, the historic fourth meeting between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. A lot of ways for you to get in on the action at UFC 283 via the DraftKings Sportsbook, and I would probably go check out the application right now. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, and new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Perhaps Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill will break through and become a first-time UFC champion. Maybe, though, you like the ageless Glover to share a slight underdog right now to become a two-time UFC champ. Either way, a lot of compelling matchups on the board, and if you want even more action, you can also get in on the football playoff action this weekend as well. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code AFPOD. New customers bet $5 on UFC 283 and get $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, that is code AFPOD this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Oh, clear your schedules. Fast forward to this part of the program, the Ray Longo Minute, every week, dating to episode one here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right, I guess March 4th doesn't need Aljamain Sterling anymore. It looks like John Jones might be coming back. Did you hear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard. I heard the T-Mobile Center is in a lot of trouble. That's what I heard. All right, so... Uh, so I don't even know where to begin. I guess with you, I kind of would like to begin with Francis Ngannou, who I believe Ooh. is the scariest power puncher in UFC history. People oftentimes ask me the most scared I've ever been sitting octagon side. I thought Ngannou had killed Alistair Overeem. I thought he had popped his head off his body yeah. or broken his neck or whatever. Um, so yeah. I guess I'll start there. It looks like the UFC's undisputed heavyweight champion has been released slash freed from his contract. That's big news. I think that's huge news. Um, uh, where do you want to start? Well, I, mean, I, I think know. it's I, a little I, bit disappointing for me as a mixed martial arts fan that Ngannou's next fight seemingly is not going to be in the UFC and it won't be against John Jones. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, uh, you know, we don't know what the negotiation deals were. You know, Dana's saying he was going to make the most money of any heavyweight, but what does that even mean? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, everybody's complaining about fight or pay, uh, but to lose your heavyweight champ, I don't think is a good look. Uh, especially if the guy goes out and, you know, makes a killing, right? Because yeah. then everybody's, everybody's going to want to do that, right? Everybody will jump on that bandwagon. So, um, I, I mean, I, like, I understand Kenny Florian has a nice smile. He's a very good analyst, but it's like Jake Paul. And I mean, it's like, what is, like, what is, what is the attraction? Is it Ken Flo? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Kenny. Jump in. Like, get me Frankie. started on this. Francis and Gunner, we're waiting for you. Come on up. The water's yeah, yeah. great. The yeah, water's yeah. great. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. oh, that's Kenny's dream, right? <laughs> I can flow. And incidentally, exponentially more excited about the the Francis and Gunner news than uh than the Jake Paul news, if I could say that. Yeah. Um, All right. Where do you think? Where do you think Francis ends up? Well, here's the thing: if he fights Tyson Fury. In a singular boxing match, however it goes, right? And whatever the betting line is, that's not the point, right? 
if Tyson Fury has any remote interest in that fight and Francis Ngannou gets that singular payday, uh, then you can argue this was all worth it. But Right. If not, I mean, what does he do? Go into the PFL for a million dollars and win that? They have to bump that, Ken. You got to tell those guys they got to bump it to like eight million. So, yeah. Something tells me he'd make more than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he will. No, or hey, maybe he goes and fights Tyson Fury one fight. He makes forty, fifty million. Yeah. He's like, take it easy, guys. Yeah. That was nice seeing you. Yeah, you know, it was weird no. when I heard it yesterday. It is a weird thought, but a very weird thought. But I was like, you know. This is like what I have, not not a problem with the PI, but it was from the beginning, like with all of that stuff. You know, maybe they know how bad that knee surgery was. Maybe, you know, maybe they got the inside track now and they know, you know what, he's probably only got one fight. Maybe re-injures that's a bad injury. I don't know why, but I don't see how you let that guy go. He couldn't have been asking for, you know, that much money where, you know, the company is making money and you let a guy like that go who's, really just about in the prime of viewership for everybody. So that, I don't know if that just hit me like yesterday when they announced, I was like, you know, and then I think Dana said something like, you know, I think he doesn't want to take a risk or, you know, so wow, that that's where it gets tricky to me, right? Where that everybody is interesting. has the information, right? I hadn't thought about that angle at all, right? The UFC PI essentially funded by the promotion with all of this intimate injury knowledge. Now, right. in the NFL right now, you have Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, who is not playing due to a knee injury. And he is eligible for a massive contract, and candidly, I hope somehow the New England Patriots find a way to get the guy, right? But he can be contractually controlled by the franchise. He is sitting out right now. They can franchise tag him, but obviously they are acutely aware of the medicals. Lamar is as well, but it's interesting. I hadn't necessarily thought about that angle. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's disappointing for me regardless. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen him stay. You know, when I when uh, Frivola fought in New York, oh, shit, I, I did extra rounds with TJ at David Buster's, but we had... Oh, we, okay. You know, we, had, we, had a, we had Francis on. He's a, re- he's a sweet guy, man. He's a really well-spoken, nice, humble guy. I just... As long as he's not hitting you. As long as he's not hitting hitting you. Yeah. (laughs) So you had Francis Ngannou on extra rounds at Dave and Buster's. Is that what you're saying? You interviewed him when you were on extra rounds? So wait, hold on a second. No, you just be. Yes. Okay. That would be correct. So there's two options for Francis I'm going to go with. It's the PFL or the Slap League. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he might have let him go just so he could go in the Slap League. That's option number two. Well, for all the minute, man, if uh, when you're done with the Anakin Florian podcast episode today on the DraftKings YouTube channel, you can uh, head nah, over to UFC Fight on. Pass and, uh, nah. you know, check out Longo interviewing Francis Ngannou. Sure, it's absolutely uh, fucking whoa. riveting. And TJ DeSantis. <laughs> Don't leave TJ out. TJ really was, he was the star of the show. All right. So, John Jones versus Seattle Gone. Who do you think is the betting favorite right now or do you already know? Well, I, I don't know. I would say Cyril Gunn's the betting favorite. See, that's why you get paid the big bucks. He is the betting favorite, albeit slightly. Sounds like you like the matchup for Cyril Gunn a little bit. Well, you know, look, the guy hasn't fought in three years. Uh, who knows, you know, what he's been doing. I hope he's been training. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like that. Cyril's been active. He looks like he knows how to navigate, you know. I mean, for he's a big guy, so I think – Jones, anytime he had any pro- problems with anybody, were guys that were kind of his size, uh, like 
the first Gustafson fight, and uh, even uh, the guy I thought beat him. What was his name? Jeez, uh, I already forgot. Come on, help me out. Sorry, I was uh, I was actually. What was Reyes? Reyes, Reyes, Reyes. You know what I mean. So he, I think he has trouble with the bigger guys, and this guy's quick. You know, he he knows how to. Uh, he's light on his feet. He yeah. can mix it up. I mean, obviously, there's a big discrepancy in the wrestling ways where I would think he's going to take the fight. That that I'm, I'm sure he still he still got some pop there. But uh, you know, it's a five round fight, so we'll see. But I, I could see him taking Cyril down and just ending the fight in the first round if he wanted to. But I'd still put Cyril down as the favorite. Yeah. So I don't want to get into John Jones's play sort of historically, right? But when you see people like me, right? There's been a goat sighting or when people write John Jones, arguably the greatest mixed martial arts athlete of all time is back. Like, where do you stand on that? Just given some of the things that uh, that he has brought upon himself in his career, if you wait, wait, we could go over that again with the. uh... Well, I guess I'm just curious, right? Like Anderson Silva, right? Some people don't consider him the greatest of all time because of the transgressions late in his career. You know, some people denigrate John Jones as far as that is concerned. That's why I think most people believe GSP is the greatest of all time. Some would suggest Habib Nurmagomedov. For me, the greatest mixed martial arts athlete I've ever seen compete in an MMA setting is John. Um, I'm just curious where you stand on all of that, you know? Because you led when I mentioned John Jones with T-Mobile better, you know, Tighten yeah, up, yeah. right? So I'm just yeah. curious where you stand and, you know, how you feel about him sort of, you know, re-entering the fray. Yeah, well, look, I, I tell you, you can't deny what he's done. That's impossible, right? I mean, the guy was – the guy can fight. He was great. Uh, I, you know, obviously, is off the – out of the octagon antics, I, I can't stand. And, you know, to me, that's always going to diminish who he is. I don't want to just look at people for the way they fight. I want to look at the way people conduct themselves – in life and that's where i think he fails and gsp hits a home run more than him and even khabib i mean even what khabib's doing now with the just want to spend time with the kids this is you know this is these are things that are huge that people i don't i i think we're in a society they don't even understand but you know i think when you have principle and you have character i want to put that above the fighting so for those for that reason i'm going to go you know, with guys like that. I mean, I don't know. Why would we leave out Demetrius Johnson? He's probably the greatest of all time. I mean, I mean, the things he did in the octagon yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, were, were phenomenal, and he's still going. I mean, I, I still think his greatest thing he did today was, uh, 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 as of today, was when he, he beat that tie guy in that three-round crazy fight. He went, he had to do a, the first round with a killer, and he survived, and then he took him down and submitted him. So I think that guy, to me, you know, when you start doing all the type of things yeah. outside like that, I think that defines you and it pulls you away from, uh, yeah. you know, that, that, that would be like making, you know, uh, John Jones do one round with Mike Tyson and he has to go, you know, that's not easy to do. You know, no, it's so. a tremendous oversight by me. I wasn't trying to be uh, inexclusive or exclusive. But uh, you got you too small for me to be the go hundred twenty. Yeah, you know, yeah, you need bigger, bigger man <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. the greatest of all time. At least for me. All but right. he did some, he did some crazy stuff. Like yeah, no, when of he, course. When he picked that guy up and on bottom in midair, was, come on. I mean, uh, technically, he, dude, yeah. he is unbelievable. I mean, you can't, you can't deny. Yeah, of course, the way he fought in the ring. Just <laughs> fucking around, he, right? He's disgusted. He's uh, he's actually <laughs> you're mad. All right, did no, you watch? So, so, so John Jones, I think. Look, you can't deny that the guy could fight. Period. And yeah. he, and you could put him up there as. 
one of the greatest to ever do it unequivocally. I just, you know, there's got to be an asterisk next. I mean, the PDs and I do, it's just awful. I don't know. Yeah. Take them off the list. Matter of fact, All right. the uh, more we keep talking about it. So I don't know if you know this, but Matt, the steamroller for Bola is going to join us in about five minutes because there's a really special circumstance going on in his life right now. So I just wanted to prepare you for that. Unbelievable. And we'll yeah. talk about that in a minute. But did you watch Sean Strickland and Nasruddin Mabov in the UFC fight night this weekend? A hundred percent. All right. So before you get into whatever wets your beak as far as the highlights are concerned, I do want to read you this from our producer, Cody Merrow. He sent yeah. this, this text this weekend. Okay. And Cody's diehard, right? He watched all 41 UFC live events last year. He didn't watch all the prelims, but he watches all of these shows. And he wrote last night, I'm officially, and maybe this is in part because the NFL was also going on. Okay. And now he's saying he watched every fight this past weekend. I don't fucking believe him. All right. Easy, Cody. He wrote, I'm officially at the, I'm over the apex point of my fandom. So Cody's having a hard time, like watching these fights from the UFC apex. And I just want to ask you in terms of your viewership, I know you're coaching every weekend. You're constantly cornering guys when maybe there aren't a lot of fans, although Ring of Combat's fucking loud, banging it out all the goddamn time. But I don't know, man. Like, sometimes it feels anticlimactic for me watching as a phone when, you know, they cap a post-fight interview and it sounds like a funeral, man. And I I feel like Cody's sentiment is one that is shared by the majority. Uh, I'll tell you, you though, it's a weird week to ask that because they starved us for like three or four weeks. So I was happy to see anything. I'm a junkie. Yeah. Uh, But I think that point is really well taken at this point. But look, it's it's like. Well, basically, he followed up. He said that Umar Nurmagomedov knockout would have popped any arena from Siberia to Hawaii and feels like you're losing out on these seminal moments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing like in in a in a covid in in the middle of a pandemic for DC and Stipe to complete their trilogy at the apex. It's insane. Right. But it had to happen. Right. I don't know. But because of that, it's going to keep happening because, you know, once you figure out you can make money, more money without doing anything and you're not losing anything. Yeah. It's almost like there's nobody goes back to the office, John. Everybody zooms in. Nobody wants to go back. You might as well get rid of all those buildings that were housing the companies. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's the same type of deal once you get accustomed and you get used to something and you go wow i don't have to pay two million dollars in rent every month and i could still have the same bottom line at the end of the year so from a business standpoint obviously it makes a shitload of sense from a fan standpoint from the fighter standpoint yeah it's it's always better in those big arenas come on who doesn't want that you know what the ambiance feels like in that, John, when you're calling a fight. Yeah. Same thing. Um, you don't, but you don't really call. Do you call a lot of fights in the Apex? Yeah. I mean, not as many as I did in the past, but uh, I do. Yeah. So it, it, sometimes it's good for an intimate setting, but I think enough is enough. I got to go with Cody on that. I, right. I, I think that's a, a valid point. I'm going to get fired if I don't shift the conversation back to the action here. <laughs> Well, maybe you fucking call Francis and Ghana. France, you got a number for someone over at the fucking PFL. <laughs> gotta stop banging on the know, apex. I don't, I, don't, I don't think we said anything wrong. No, but I, I don't. Think just, a, hey, no. I mean, uh, it just it provoked thought because I was having some of those feelings myself, and then yeah, lo and behold, I, 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 I agree with that. But again, if 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 you're in the business of producing content, and people yeah. say, I don't care where it comes from, the bathroom, the apex, yeah. the T-Mo, yeah. what are you going to do? Right. I mean, it's a bottom line. It's a numbers-oriented business, man. You know, you got those bean counters, and they're going, why yeah. would we do the T-Mobile? 
we can make another three million right here just by staying and nobody cares. Are you a side sleeper, Ray? You sleep on your side, your back. Yeah, why is, is my hair going crazy? It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I think it's part of the appeal. It's I'm why you're fifty percent on my right and fifty percent on my left. Yeah, okay. I'm a side sleeper. It's why your public approval rating is so high because you're here <laughs> with your cold brew. You know, it's like. You don't need to brush his teeth, guys. You don't yeah. need to brush his fucking teeth. Yeah, I don't know. I just ate why well, I got stuff in my teeth. Did you brush no. your teeth before the show today? Definitely not. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> He's a man of veracity. Yeah. Ray, what is the age, what is that age where you're just like, I don't give a shit anymore. You know, I'm not going to shout. Kenny, I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm just going to There's an age. There is there an is age. There is an age, Kenny. Yeah. And that, that is a valid point. There is an age. <laughs> Where, when uh, is that? I, think, I think I'm there, actually. Yeah, I, mean, I know. You're, you're premature. I, I got to say, <laughs> I'm going to go upper 50s. You start going. Okay, okay. You just, you know what happened? You, you start just coming home. You don't even make it in the house. You just piss at the front door. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens when you get older. You just don't give a shit anymore, unfortunately. Oh, so, I yeah. Love it. No, no, Kenny, that's a really it. good point because <laughs> things start going sideways. I don't even understand them myself. I mean, I've started to change at 44. I'll never forget oh, my the the my late grandfather, my maternal grandfather, Howard Grayson, who my son was named after. But towards the end, right, you know, just like stonewalling my grandmother, like, honey, what do you want for lunch? Right. You know, what do you want for lunch? Right. And he looks at his grandsons like I'm going to smile and not even fucking answer because the game's on. Right. Watch me do this. And oh, that's a you're talking relationships. That's a totally different ballgame. But no, I just feel like I, because candidly, right, a lot of UFC fans feel like I'm a super nice guy. And I am a pretty nice guy, I guess, but not when compared to my twin brother necessarily. And generally speaking, in my family, I'm kind of the asshole, right? Yeah. And so I feel like when I'm 60, I'll probably be more of a dick than I am when I'm oh, 44. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, it goes two ways. You either get nicer or you get real ornery yeah. or cantankerous job. Oh, look at you. Oh, with the vocabulary. Yeah. Oh, well, one yeah, guy so who I know, back in. one yeah, guy who I know brushed his teeth this morning. He's joining us on the yeah. guest line right now. Friend of the Anakin Florian podcast, UFC lightweight contender. Oh, Jesus Matt, the steamroller frivola. And I call you a contender because you're on a winning streak right now. It's great to see you. And we're going to get into a lot of different things today. I had my team steam shirt on last week, so I wasn't going to run it back consecutive episodes, but it's good to see you, brother. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. Yeah. So your beard looks good. Before we get into Matt Fravold, because this is a beautiful, unbelievable story to me. Uh, But I'll tell you, the guy... Yesterday in the gym, Fravola, tell him, how was that, the ambiance in the gym yesterday? The sparring Kenny was unbelievable between, I mean, Pompos, Armando, Steve Lee, Nas, Fravola, the kid Montavo, Levon. It, it st- you know what I loved about yesterday, Matt? It started with guys with the least experience who were good up to the next level, up to the ne- and the guys with the most fights. Probably, I mean, the kid's got a shitload of fights. Oh, yeah. But, um, That's and, and, they, and the other kid, Levon, might have, what are they saying? He has 200 kickboxing fights. I mean, Kenny, the atmosphere was crazy. Uh, Nas and, um, and Matt went at it yesterday. I mean, the whole gym is clapping. It's it, The ambiance was unbelievable. So shout out to all That's the awesome. guys yesterday. They, they kind of put on the show. You know, I had a couple of privates. They charged them extra like they were at a fight. <laughs> I said, don't think yeah. you're leaving. It's huh. another 150 bucks. You had a ringside seat. You, 
That's Come on. one of, one That's of the awesome. things about, about our gym, like every Saturday, every Saturday, everybody gets their hard sparring in and, uh, and it's like smokers, you know, it's like two, uh, it was, yeah. two guys take the cage and they spar hard for three fives and everybody's around the cage watching, cheering on. And uh, I think that's a, it's huge, especially for these young guys coming up. You know, like I say, they're smokers. It's not sparring. They are smokers, right. 100%. Right. And that gets you used to the apex because it's the Absolutely. same exact thing. It's Kenny, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. And it's a different type of pressure too, in a yeah. way, right? Because you yes. got both people, everyone's cheering for each other. You're uh, going against a, a competitive teammate. You know, yeah. it's, it's awesome. It's oh, beautiful. Yesterday, yesterday, the ambiance, I, I tell you, as a coach, that's why I so say you guys are asking me, so do I still have the passion? Yeah, for days like that, I, I, went in, I walked into that gym a little groggy. By the end of those sparring sessions, I was I didn't even know what to do. I just started lifting weights. I, mean, I, started, awesome. I went nuts. Yeah, it fires you. you up. Yeah. All right, well, it's good to have UFC lightweight Matt Frivola with us. How'd my guy Steve Lee do, by the way? Was he getting tuned up or was he tuning others up? Steve had a good day right, yesterday. Good. good, that's my guy right there. But Frivola doesn't have a fucking scratch on him. Mouse, but it, it was looking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Frivola looking fresh as a daisy. So do you, by the way, know right now who is the number 15 ranked lightweight in the world, Matt? You probably don't know who that is, do you? No, I don't know right now. Well, because I guess I'm just curious, like, are you number like 25 in the world? Like there are probably 70 UFC lightweights, right? So like I don't want to discredit you by saying you're 25 or 35. Grant Dawson is the number 15 ranked lightweight in the world right now. Like, do you have any idea where you fall? Probably not. I, I just know I'm somewhere in the 30s, but all I have to do is look <laughs> over to this guy, and he tells me where I'm at. Hey, what, what, 32, <laughs> baby, and on the rise. <laughs> uh, big Sal. I'm 32 and on the rise. <laughs> if you don't know, that is the great Sal, the bulldozer for Bola. Goddamn right. So we all, we all always love having you on the program. Um, but today, specifically, we did want to just talk to you because the story crossed over a lot of our respective wakes on social media. Your wife, Billy, um, has donated her kidney or is in the process of doing that to uh, an immediate family member. So what can you tell us about all of that, how it came together and um, how everybody's doing you know, now and, and looking forward? Yeah, you know, uh, my wife Billy, she she donated her kidney to save her father's life, which was, you know, it's, it's really amazing, and it kind of opened my eyes to to organ donation and and how much that helps, you know, people around the world. And uh, and she's she's doing well, and uh, Joe Sinelli, her, her father, is doing well, and uh, everybody's in recovery, and uh, you know, he's got a new lease on life. He's going to be able to hang out with the grandkids and. Uh, and and we're we're real happy about that. I'm so proud of my wife. As you should be. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And I'm glad I didn't know the timeline, but I'm glad that they are out the other side right now. So, how long ago uh, did he get sick, and and when did you guys sort of start the process of finding out who could be a potential match, and your wife's ultimate willingness to go through with all that? Yeah, you know he he's been on dialysis for for a long time now, having to go to the hospital and and, uh, and do all that, and not being able to. To, to eat healthy foods and all that. And, uh, and yeah, she, she got tested and, uh, she was a, a match and she was completely willing and, and selfless. And, uh, and, and we finally the, got the surgery done and now, now they're both on the recovery and, and it's, uh, it's all good. 
Dude, that's just absolutely incredible. And uh, it's so heartening for a lot of us to hear this and talking about just the overall familial willingness for you and for Billy. It's an incredible story. I have to ask, and maybe somebody in this room knows this. I mean, Kenny was born into a medical family. Can you compete in mixed martial arts? You can compete in mixed martial arts with one kidney, right? Like, I mean, obviously for you to donate a kidney in the prime of your MMA career as a professional athlete would have been challenging, but I'd imagine you can fight with one kidney, right, Ken Flo? I think so. I'm not sure. I, I, I really don't know on that. Uh, well, what, what's the recovery like, Matt, for, for her now um, after getting a kidney removed? Yeah, she, she's super sore. You know, uh, like kind of sitting up is tough. I got to kind of help her sit up. But she's back to walking around and uh, she has like Jesus too, much, too much. Like the, the incision isn't even that big. You know, it, hmm. it's not not too much, uh, but she's definitely sore right now. It's it's like been like five days since the surgery. So I think, you know, the, the next couple days are going to be uh, the toughest. But uh, but she's 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 strong. You know, she's. She's strong, stronger than uh, I think even she knows, and and she's she's really proven it to to everybody now, and uh, and it's just it's amazing to watch, and and you know she's got her little bell whenever she rings her bell, yeah, yeah, beam roller comes running, so yeah. <laughs> Well, That's I know awesome. you guys have a really special bond and it's only going to bring everybody even uh, even closer. So you have our ultimate respect as far as all of that um, is concerned. Uh, as far as your own timeline is concerned, Maddie, I know that uh, there are rumors of a UFC event maybe in Brooklyn in April. And uh, as you know, we've talked to you about, about this with you before. They seem to like preserve you and your style for these numbered cards. So um, I'd imagine you're sort of... You know, staying in the matchmaker's ears, but what can you tell us about 2023 and the first and second quarter and when we might see it? Yeah, you know, I've been I've been training for that uh, April 8th card. The rumor was Brooklyn, Barclays Center. You know, I'd love to come back to New York and put on a great show, you know, at the Barclays Center. And, uh, you know, we, we've been talking. I told them pretty much anybody, anybody April 8th. But uh, also another opening just happened on that March card. Uh, March 18th, I know Chris, Dawkins, Chris Duncan just lost his opponent. So I, I threw my name in, the, name in the hat for that fight. You know, he, that guy had a crazy fight with our teammate, Charlie. So it'd be nice to uh, get that one back for the team. And, you know, uh, a trip to London does not sound bad. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, uh, hey, if my twin brother doesn't come, maybe uh, you use my two tickets as well for Bull if you, uh, if you end up fighting over there. All right. Before we let you go, I got to get your thoughts on this. And again, appreciate your time on a Sunday. Yeah. Sorry, my mic keeps cutting out today. I don't understand exactly why it's turning off on its own, but I would encourage anybody out there. I know we all have our own beliefs, but I am an organ donor on my Florida license, and I would encourage anybody right, to, right. to strongly consider doing that. But all right. So Daniel Cormier is my dear friend and broadcast partner, but he says a lot of ridiculous things. Like he said, Zhang Wei Li is the greatest athlete of all time. And that actually is holding up pretty well. Like I can sit here and say, Zhang Wei Li maybe is top five man or woman I've ever seen. That one's holding up well. But Maddie. He said if Alexander Volkanovsky beats his teammate, Islam Makashev, it'll be the biggest upset in UFC history. So to say that a guy who's won like 22 consecutive fights would be pulling off the biggest upset in UFC history, however much the size discrepancy, to me, it sounds ignorant. So I know for you, Matt, maybe. <laughs> See, the word ignorant sounds like I'm taking a shot at DC. It's uh, not. Uh, oh, of course not. But what, what just... 
No, my stupid ass would have been better. Well, no, maybe it's like a hot take for ratings. I don't know. But Matt, maybe for you, right? Like Matt, Matt Frivola is a lightweight contender. So perhaps you would have liked to see. No. God, I'm getting myself in trouble today. Hey, Matt, maybe you would have liked to see a lightweight be the guy who Islam defends the belt for the yeah. first time against and not a featherweight coming up. But how do you handicap Volkanovski's chances overall and his chances against, say, like, versus, say, like, Benil Darius? Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that statement either. You know, Volk is, uh, isn't Volk like the number one pound for pound right now? Huh. Maybe the number one yeah. pound for pound fighter in the world. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How could you oh, say that, that if he wins, it's the biggest upset? You know, I know, I know Islam's good, but he has been beat. You know, he's, he, he lost his UFC debut. Um, but, you know, I, I'm interested in that fight. Like, uh, I want to see, uh, I think I, I like watching people chase greatness. Like when yeah. Stylebender went up to challenge uh, uh, Blakovich, you know, yeah. even in a losing effort, I respected, I really respected that, that, you know, he went up and he chased and he went for it. And, and that's what Volk's doing. He's going to go up a weight class and he's going to chase greatness. So you, you can't not root for that. All right, Matt, the steamroller for Volley. You can check him out, by the way, for the merchandise on millions.co. All sorts yeah. of good team steam designs are out there, and I hope to see you either in London or in New York. But please send our best to uh, your inspirational wife, Billy. And, um, you know, we appreciate just the whole good-natured, tight-knit core of your family. And I don't know, man, it's a pretty yeah. special thing. We wanted to highlight it today. So, yeah. And, and Matt, Maddie, I'm going to, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm saying this because I want to be held accountable. I'll be there around 6 30. I'm bringing dessert. So <laughs> don't go. save it, man. So tell Big Sal, I'm coming over finally. There you go. He's coming. <laughs> Yo, baby, we'll Big Sal. I'll be there, Sal. Get me a recline. <laughs> Sal, get the recliner ready. <laughs> I might not, I might not leave. Yeah. And the, the amount of support uh, that I made that post, you know, I'm always a little uh, iffy about uh, putting too much personal family stuff out there in the social media world. But the amount of support and, and uh, that, that people are saying is really, really lifting her spirits. And uh, and actually, uh, Alex Cohen, uh, Steve Cohen's wife, hit me up about about my wife and was really wow. about it. And then uh, we got an invite to uh, the Islanders game uh, on the 27th in the in the uh, owners' suite. So uh, she's pumped about that too. And uh, you know, I gotta gotta keep this relationship with the Cohens going. You know, I wanna I wanna tell Steve Cohen uh, or tell tell Steve Cohen to hit up Dana and and teach him how to how to uh, take care of his athletes. You know. <laughs> Hey, you know, you deserve it all. And I got to say, man, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's hard to get embedded in the New York market with those sports teams, even as a UFC fighter, right? Like Uriah Faber is the king of Sacramento. Ken Flo being a pro fighter in Boston, like no one gave a shit in his prime. Like they did with respect, right? But no, but it's like the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Celtics wow. and the Bruins. Obviously wow. when he went to TD Garden, it was a big deal. But no, I give you credit no, for carving true. out space with New York sports teams. And, uh, oh, yeah, you know, well. please uh, send our best to Billy and Sal and the whole clan, and uh, we'll see you soon, brother. I will. I will. Uh, do we, do we, uh, coach? Do we got to tell him about my letter that I wrote to Dana White that I'm definitely, definitely not on? the time or place. Let's save it. You, hey, Matt, you're always welcome on the podcast. So he's already John's already insulted enough people today. I say we we leave it at that. He took down DC and Kenny in one swoop. Nobody. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! I'm uh, rocked right now. I'm yeah. rocked. Someone just stopped the fight. I don't know what's happening. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll take Longo's word for it. Maddie, let's save it. 
that let's see. Even it. And next time, right, cool, go ahead, I, Matt. I, go ahead. I know I broke I broke some news. Uh, you guys said that uh, the the UFC uh, April eighth is going to be in Brooklyn. You know, hopefully that's true. But uh, I got a little another thing. Uh, Billy Q's got a big fight coming. Wow, big fight! Wow, oh, like are you breaking that? That we could hear. All, all I could say is is uh, keep an eye out uh, for Billy Q fight news coming soon. It's a big fight in April. Great. Wow. I love it. That's exciting. I want to be that- Wait, hold on, Matt, Matt. That's in April. Yeah, it's going to be in April. I- I'll tell you can when you- I see you, but it's yeah, good. Can you get on that freaking card, please? Hey, let's go. Ready? <laughs> we're we're getting on that card, whether we go to. All right, awesome. Or or we're going to bring the house down in Brooklyn. You, you know how we do, yeah, yeah. Coach. Awesome, man. All right, let's do it, man. All right, hey, enjoy the rest of your uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, Matt. We appreciate the time. Next time you come on, there'll be no Ray Longo uh, to cut you off. So, <laughs> oh no 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 no. <laughs> All right, guys. Nice talking to you. Thank you, buddy. Hey, Matt Frivola. Keep, keep, keep everybody in suspense. Well, John, you're on a roll today. Oh, Matt, he's back. I'm back. Wait, wait. Big Sal had something to say. Yeah, we're not going to cut you off, Sal. Take the day off. Let me know. I'll come in and I'll do a little. All fun. right. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you very much. The Frivola clan joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. <laughs> I'm the I'm the wow. president of Team Florian. Like I feel like as the I biggest know. Kenny Florian fan in the world, sometimes I can hit people with a dose of reality. Like if the dude <laughs> was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he'd have a fucking statue. All right. <laughs> really? This is this is this is unbelievable today. <laughs> I feel oh, like man. I'm just speaking truth all the time, and I'm just perpetually misunderstood. Spitting fire, you're Kenny. Fire. Fire, yes. fire. There was a lot expected of Islam Makashev, even when he made his UFC debut. That's why when he lost to Adriano Martins early on, it was like, whoa. Was that his first or second fight? Maybe his first fight in the UFC, right? I think so. Yeah, we so, called that. I think we called it. One. But isn't, like, dude, Adriano Martins beating that version of Islam Makashev is a bigger upset than Volkanovski beating this version, in my opinion. I just think that is just a huge stretch. Uh, but but, but how many guys have gone up in weight and, and, and won? And then he said, but no matter who the who, no sure. matter who the champ was, no, I, duly noted. I just right? think you know what I'm saying. I like, just look, think look, Israel is a talented guy, and Jan wasn't the best heavyweight champ by far, right? He's a great fighter, but he couldn't pull it off. Holloway couldn't pull it off against Poirier. I mean, I don't know which. But, am I missing something? No, I think these are valid points. I'm yeah. just sitting here saying that Alexander Volkanovsky is one of the greatest of all time. Maybe the greatest featherweight of all time already, despite the fact that Jose Aldo and Max Holloway can also lay claim to that. I don't think Alexander Volkanovsky beating Kamaru Usman or fucking Leon Edwards at 70 would be the biggest upset in MMA history, right? Like, who are we talking about? The biggest upsets in UFC history don't involve like all time Hall of Fame fighters. But um, right. hey, man, you know. DC's podcast does a little bit better than this one, so maybe. You know. <laughs> Wait, DC's got a podcast? Where is it? What's the name of it? I don't know. I think Ryan Either Clark's door. on it. He's the man. Hey, Ray, thanks for the extended time. And, uh, you know, have a great day and a better evening. Just be on time <laughs> later today. Be on time later, okay? I tell you, wait, wait, before we go, that is an unbelievable, fantastic, feel-good story. I mean, I was I was blown away. When he told me that, Kenny, I was like, because he kind of, not. I don't want to say, not, he might have nonchalanted it like it was nothing. I'm like, yeah. this is, ins- man, I tell you what, just the ultimate act of selflessness, man. I, I, don't, I don't think it gets any better than that. So hats off to Billy. 
she is the real hero of all of this, man. That's yeah. just absolutely fantastic. And man, I, I'm, I'm blown. I'm, that that just that shit yeah. kills me, man. Really kills me. It's Blows very my mind. You know. And I know if I ever had a kidney problem, John would probably donate his kidney to me. <laughs> no, I would. Can I can I put you down for that? Because <laughs> yes, you can. I'm, let me talk to Chrissy first next week. Next week. But it's interesting. Candidly, as an identical twin, a monozygotic identical twin, I've thought a lot about organ donation and the oh, possibility yeah. of, of giving my twin brother. More than likely, he'll be giving me an organ, but uh, yeah, right. you know, we'll see how it goes say, You down. thought about giving him an organ, just make sure his diet's on point every day and yeah, he's right. doing his yeah. exercise. Yeah. I'll do, keep that guy healthy, John. Well, you take care of yourself. Thanks for yeah. the extended time. That was a, a spirited Ray Longo minute today. And uh, we'll talk to you early next week, buddy, when I get back from uh, Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, safe trip, buddy. I will talk to you guys uh, next week. Kenny, as as yeah, always, right. man, looking sharp. And <laughs> listen, when you were in Boston, you were always my hero. It didn't matter. <laughs> you were you were a hero in New York. So I don't care what this guy says about uh, yeah, thank Boston. You, thank you, thank you. I just I'm want you to know to that. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. All right, that is going to do it, but rest assured, we're doing two episodes a week now, so we're back in your life probably Thursday. I will be in Rio at that point in time. Don't forget about the Anakin Florian Rewind exclusively on UFC Fight Pass, where we look back at a UFC fight, and the one that's up there right now, we look back at Brandon Moreno's UFC debut. Where has he come since then as he gets ready for another title fight against Davison Figueredo? Also, don't forget for your merchandise, AnakinFlorianPodcast.com, promo code LONGO to get 10 or 15% off your order. KennyFlorianMartialArts.com is live for all of your mixed martial arts and jujitsu needs. And our Brazil Designs One More Sleep merch can be had at Millions.co. We are back later this week. We'll get into UFC 286 predictions. And excuse me, we will get into UFC 286, the trilogy between Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman and predictions for UFC 283, Teixeira versus Hill coming up Saturday night live on pay-per-view. Uh, with that, thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Matt the Steamroller for Bola. We will talk to you guys later this week for producer Cody Merrill and Ken Flom, John Ants, and so long for now. Talk to you in a few days. Until then, yo later.